The following audio is from Community Bible Church in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us online at cbcnashville.org. Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You guys can have a seat. Full disclosure: we are not actually going to cover all of that text. We're only going to cover the first three verses. I don't know whose guitar pick that is, but if you need it, it's there on the floor. I would encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John. It's where we're going to be today, but I don't actually want to start quite in 14. We're going to uh, kind of make our way there. We love our personal comforts. And when it's gone, we feel great distress. We love to know that everything is going to be all right. We love to have our special things and make sure that our life is working the way it is. In fact, millions of people every single year are employed under the guise of personal comforts. I mean, we could even look at all of the social media apps and all of the advantages to smartphones, all the people that are out there trying to figure out how to code things and how to make things work better in certain ways. It's all there to make our life more comfortable. But there's one area of comfort that the Haskins family loves especially, and it might be kind of an obscure one, but it is one where millions of people are employed every single year, again, for our comfort. And that comfort is roadside convenience stores because when we go on road trips let me tell you the worst thing that could possibly happen to the haskins family is not having the salty and the sweet snack in the car and if the salty and the sweet snack's not in the car hangriness sets in right and when hangriness sets in we we just start catastrophizing everything like we're never gonna make it out of here alive we're gonna die of all of all of our hunger and then we see the gas station or then we see the 7-eleven or if you're traveling in the country then you see the dollar general show up out of nowhere and you're like there it is we can stop in there and get the snack i kid but it's only natural for for fear and panic and worry to set in when food is running out. And it's in those moments when we're uncomfortable that our faith is tested, and we begin to fear and doubt whether God is good. This kind of takes me back to a story in the Old Testament that we got to look at several years ago. 
There's a story that we looked at when, when Israel was wandering through the wilderness in Exodus. This comes up in Exodus 16. They've left the nation of Egypt. They saw the ten plagues. They walked through the, the uh, Red Sea. And there was a series of tests that Israel went through on their way to Sinai. The first test was having no water. There was bitter water. And they were like, Lord, you brought us out here to die. Why are we going to die of thirst? And, and the Lord shows up by throwing a log in the water. And it's not bitter water. It's sweet water. Well, then there's a third test. Or a second test, rather. And the second test is about food. They've journeyed so far from Egypt, they left in such a haste, all of their unleavened bread had just, um, you know, they, they had eaten it up, and they were in the middle of nowhere with a million people going, we can't find food, and what happens when you can't find food? And I'm not talking about convenience store can't find food, I'm talking about there's nothing in your cupboards, nothing in your jars, you're out. Fear. What's going to happen, Lord? That's where the nation of Israel was. In Exodus 16, 2 through 3, it says this, The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out here to the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. It was a major hangry attack. But because of this hunger, because of this discomfort, because of this fear, it led them to completely doubt God. And what's God do? Next verse. He shows up and offers mercy and care. And, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Think about what this did for the nation of Israel. Every single day, regardless of where they were, regardless of the area of the wilderness, regardless of how much they ate yesterday, they had a new manna drop from heaven. Just think about the, the trust that comes from that. Think about how that changes your soul, the comfort of knowing I'm safe. God cares for me. Every day, his mercies are new every morning. And if they doubted that, they could fling open their tents and go, there's the manna. We get to eat that. And guess what? Regardless of how good or bad they were that day, the manna was going to be there tomorrow. Just that, that rest and that comfort of knowing God is going to take care of us. The manna was the safety and the, and the security that they desperately needed. And they could see clearly every morning. See, that's the thing about comfort. Comfort also means safety and security. You're not comfortable when you're insecure. You're not comfortable when you fear harm. You're not comfortable when you think this isn't going to turn out all right. When there is comfort, there is also safety and security. So we can ask the question, what was the safety and security aspect for Israel in the wilderness? It was Christ. It was Christ himself. Christ offered that comfort to them, offered that safety and security to them so that while they were walking through the wilderness these 40 years, the new mercies that they felt every single morning was Christ. And if you don't believe me, turn to John 6. Because what we've got to see in the gospel of John as, as the, 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 the uh, Lamb of God coming to life and taking on flesh, and as we've got to walk through this book and seeing just the glorious realities of the gospel put forward to us in Christ, what we got to see in John 6 was that Jesus fed 5,000 people. 
from a, from a few loaves and fish. And then, to top that all off, he sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee that day. He goes, I'm going to stay here. I'll talk to them. I'll do the meet and greet. I'll do the pray thing. You go on ahead. And his disciples are like, okay, but how in the world are you going to get to us if we go on the other side of, of the lake? There's no more boats. He goes, I'll figure it out. And then that evening, we get the walking on water scene where he's walking on the water. And Peter's going, well, who, who, who is this? Well, the following day, all those crowds that were on the one side that were just fed from the loaves and the fish went, wait a second, that's unlike a meal I've ever had. I'm going to go get me another. They went to go find Jesus. They're like, I don't want to leave this guy. He just changed my life. I never saw that. And they come to him and they question him and they're like, listen, uh, we don't want you to go. And here's how Jesus responds in John 6. This is John 6. 47, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And remember, they were just fed bread and loaves in the wilderness. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And anyone, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. Now, can you imagine hearing that in that crowd? You're like, hold up. Fish and loaves, I'm good with. Used to that. I'm not a cannibal. What are you talking about? Like, that's weird. That, I'm not, I, I can't go there. So what do they do? The Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus looks at them and says, okay, you clearly don't get it. This is not just about bread and fish. This is about who are you going to trust in for your security and comfort? Who are you going to trust in for your safety? You know what happened to that crowd? They all went away. They all left him. They all heard that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They all heard that Jesus was the bread of life. They all heard Jesus say, the only comfort that you have in life and death is me. And they left him. And then, and this is why I take us here. Then Jesus looks at his 12. He looks at the 12 disciples that are sitting around him. And he asks them a very simple question. And the, and the question is this. Do you want to leave also? And here's their response. John 6, 68. Simon Peter. Oh, Simon Peter, the guy who always speak up, answered him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What these disciples realize is they found the thing that they so desperately need. They've walked through life trying to create that safety, trying to create that comfort, trying to fix all of the problems of life on their own. And then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus showed up, these 12, what they have seen in the life that they have lived with him is I have to stay close to him. Let's go to John 14. I'd say all of that. I'd take us on that path because if we don't understand the heart, the emotions, the intensity of this chapter, the intensity of this scene, this whole upper room discourse, we are going to miss the beauty and the glorious weight of what is being described here. Because these are the same people in the upper room discourse that had 
I don't know, a year ago. I didn't do the timeline. I, I don't know. That had within 12 months ago say, Jesus, where else can we go to find safety and comfort? We're sticking with you. These are the same people that last week just heard, I'm going and I'm leaving and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that anxiety that comes in their soul of like, wait a second, I've gone everywhere with you. I know that the safest place I can be is with you. Even if that means going to Samaria, though we never go to Samaria, even if that means going to Jerusalem and have debates with the Pharisees, though that's a, a struggle also, I can go, in the, the safest spot on this earth is with you. And now you're leaving me? I don't know what to do with that. That's where we pick up the pace. Again, I said, I just want to look at the first three verses. Because the depth of these verses is 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 pungent is life transforming we we have to get there jesus looks at his disciples and gives them a command that is also that is just as groundbreaking earth shattering difficult to hold as uh don't let your hearts don't let not your hearts be troubled they're like i don't know how to not be troubled you're leaving me he starts in 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments you know, it's really easy to obey God when you're right next to God. Jesus, I should say. It's really easy to obey Jesus when you're right next to Jesus, right? It's really easy when Jesus says, we're going here, and you have all the anxiety in the world. You have all the fear in the world. You have all of the discomfort in the world. But you're like, I will stay close with Jesus. I'm just going to be with him. And that's what Jesus had been doing in his journey for the last three and a half years. He had been transforming the way that these 12 men lived. They were no longer going to follow the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. They were no longer going to follow this judgmental lifestyle. They were no longer going to follow this idea that they could actually be good enough. Rather, they attach themselves to Christ and say, he's the safest place. Well, now God commands them and goes, hey, keep doing that even while I'm gone. And it's completely normal, natural for them to say, I can't without you. And this is where Christ offers us the glorious realities of the gospel. It's almost like between verses 15 and 16, Jesus has a thought, and I know you can't without me. And I know left to yourself, you're going to fail. And I know this freaks you out. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Oh, but wait, I'm not leaving you by yourself. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. First off, notice there's no question there. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Not, I hope. Not, maybe if you try hard enough. Not, and I just got to go here because it's been mistranslated and abused in this way. Not after you do enough special spiritual things that you get some second le level of the spirit I will, I, he will give you another helper and hear this and he will be with you for how long not three and a half years forever we have to dig down on this in this word helper because this word is rich with meaning and these are the, some of the sweetest words of comfort that we get from from christ this word here helper is uh translated in the greek the paraclete if you ever are hearing about, like, what's the paraclete? Well, the, the, the paraclete is this, this, this word that's used very few times in Scripture, but each and every time it refers to a helper, a comforter, and advocate. 
And it's really easy to kind of translate those three words, those, those English words, helper, comforter, advocate, in a couple of different um, uh, ways and, and, and maybe different degrees. And I want to make sure that we understand when it says helper, what type of helper this is. Because one way that you could kind of interpret this is that God is sending some therapeutic helper or counselor to, to, to ease the struggles of our life. Like he's some a calming remedy for the brokenness of this world. He's going to rub kind of salve oil on your wounds and be like, it'll be okay. He is comforting. But that's not what's at the root of this uh, word. No, the way that this word is used is in a legal sense. It's having the comfort of standing next to your lawyer in a trial. And you can say, I don't know what to say, and I've never been here, and I don't know how to get out of this alive, but I'm going to trust you. So it's not like a camp counselor comforter. It's like a legal counselor comforter. Like, I've got this. I'll get you home. I mean, just imagine how that speaks to our souls of all those times of like, what, where do we go? What do we do? Where do we go? What's, what's life supposed to be? What decision should I make? What's going on here? And we can just be in this bewilderment of like, what is happening here? Just, that is the crescendo of this life. I mean, it, make, it can make our ears ring. And yet Christ just declared to us that he is going to give us a helper that will stand next to us and offer us the truth that we so desperately need. But he even describes this helper in a really unique way. Did you catch it? I'm going to give you another helper. Another helper. So it, these disciples are like, where'd the first one come from? Who was it? Again, some people translate this to say there's, you know, the first kind of pouring out of the spirit and the second pouring out of the spirit. That's not what's happening here. No, what's the other helper? It's Christ. The reason that I went to John 6 and just understanding that comfort that these disciples had is because that is the exact same comfort that Jesus is offering to us in the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know if you're like me, but as we've been studying the Gospel of John, I've had so many moments when I've thought, I wish that I could be one of the disciples sitting at Jesus' feet experiencing that love. I wish that I could walk with him. I wish that I could ask him those questions. I wish that he could be there protecting me just like he protected those 12. I wish that I could hear all of the other things that aren't listed in the Gospels. I wish that I could experience that love with my own two hands and my own flesh and blood. But what Jesus just said is that in the exact same way that he helped his disciples in time and space in Galilee for three and a half years, 2,000 years ago is exactly what's happening now. You see, 1 John 2, 1 through 2 says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have a paraclete, a helper, an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That advocate is the same word here. Christ, no, God sent the first helper in the flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, taking on flesh, being truly God and truly man, walked into this earth and has illuminated the darkness ever since. But then when he left, it's easy to go, that's over. Our help is over. Our comfort is gone. Our security is lost. 
We have no safety. And yet what we see in John 6, or 6 whatever this is, 14, 16, is that we have an absolute same type, even better helper. Because you know why? Because verse 17 exists. Because his helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see. Because he neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Think back to that courtroom. I pray that you've never had to be there where you've had to rely upon a lawyer, somebody who is your advocate in this way to be like, get me out of this. I don't know what to say. I don't know the procedures here. But imagine you were there and you have to go, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know the right way. I don't know the answer. What, what's going on here? And we have to place our hope in the fact that that earthly lawyer is actually going to do the right thing. So there's a level of safety, but not full safety because that he can, he's infallible, that person. They're, they're infallible, that, that person. No, but our helper is the spirit of truth who cannot lie, who cannot be wrong, who only leads you down the right path. That's what Jesus was to his disciple. Basically, it was like, we're sticking with you, buddy. We are riding your coattails. We're never going to leave you because you're the safest place. And now what we hear is that this helper is with us and it is the spirit of truth. But, but hear how it even gets better. Because Jesus was with his disciples in bodily form. We can see that in 17. You know him and he dwells with you. But our helper is even deeper. He'll be in you. Recently, I read, I think for the first time, which is a little sad, the book The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Just a plug. It's free on Audible. So I listened to it. I was like, hey, I don't got to pay for this book. There's a, there's a moment in her life where she's hauled off into prison. And she's packed this prison bag as they're hiding Jews in their house. This is a World War II context uh and she's put all of this stuff in this prison bag that she thought that she would need a bible a sweater a some medicine some bandages and as she's hauled off in this kind of early morning rage she's feeling sick she put that bag right by the door to the hiding place and so she, she talks about this internal struggle of if i go get the bag that i'm going to need for prison I could possibly reveal the people that are inside. So she walks out with nothing. She's sick at the time. You can go read the book. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll share the condensed story. And the thing she wanted the most, if you think about everything I just listed in that bag, aspirin, sweater, change of clothes, Bible, the thing she wanted the most was a Bible. She was able to be smuggled in the four Gospels, four different books, four little tracks. She had to hide them underneath her bed because there was no material allowed. And there's a scene in the book, and I, I, I just, I'll just, I'll commend you to go read it. There's a scene in the book where she describes reading the Gospels and having Christ come alive to her in that prison cell where she's alone for days. This world can throw at us so many difficult things, scary things, uncomfortable things. But the Holy Spirit can't be taken from us. He's that helper sitting in that prison cell when all is lost. 
He's that helper sitting in your darkest moments and you go, Lord, what is going on here? He's that helper when you're like, all is lost. I think this is what Paul was thinking about in Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor, and then he just goes, nor anything else in creation. Because I think he just ran out of, he's like, I can't think of these things where I could keep going. Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the helper is in us. We have a union with Christ and with God because he has a connection with us that no one can take away. You know, I started talking about comfort. I was thinking about who is the most comfortable man and woman who ever lived on this earth. We could judge that by the world standards. You know how the world judges comfort? We list the people with the most money. Because we think, man, if I could have a yacht, the, the yacht that Jeff Bezos is building that probably can't ever, ever sail because he's got to have some stinking high sail on it, so he's just wasting money on this yacht. We go, that's so much comfort. Or you might say, as, as long as I can have really good health when I'm younger, we can, we can idolize that to think health is what I need. Or we can think, well, as long as my kids are successful, well, well that will bring us comfort. We've got lists of things that we lay out in front of us of what's comfort, but I think this is the most comfortable people that ever lived. Adam and Eve, before the fall. I want to say they were naked and exposed, but that's the wrong language. They were naked and unashamed. Walked around on earth, communing with God perfectly. Did not run from him, had no shame about them, had no guilt over what they had done. But guess what? Sin caused us to lose that comfort. And we see immediately shame and guilt and despair and hiding and fear is what we see Adam and Eve do. We lost that comfort in the garden. But Christ just declared to us that our comforter is being given to us to walk with us and in us. I don't know where your levels of comfort are today. This world is a scary and ever-changing place, but one thing I know for sure is that we have a helper and a counselor and an advocate with the Father that dwells with us for eternity, resting us. Let's pray and we can take the Lord's table together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the ability to look outside of ourselves and to see the grace of Christ. Be with us as we take your table. Be with us for the rest of the service. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation from Community Bible Church. For more information, please visit us at 6005 Edmondson Pike in Nashville, Tennessee or online at cbcnashville.org.